you for joining us for Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something and where we cover your pop culture landscape through our geek lens. I am Ms. Shannon, here as always with my good friend and podcast life mate, Mr. Jayton Satia. Jayton, how's it going over there at the Twin Cities Film Fest Studios? Uh, it's going well. We are four days away from the start of the festival. I am super excited. It's a it's a different feel this year. Um, I'm actually getting a lot more sleep. Um, because we're not really putting on a major 11-day, 15,000 people walking through the door right. festival yet. It still feels there's a lot of work still yet to be done. Majority of our festival is online this year, of course. But I feel I feel good. I feel rested. Right. And uh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, I had I actually uh, want all of our our, our BR Geek uh, family out there to know that I gave uh, my good friend Jayden a good pat on the back because some vices that usually only pack up during Twin Cities Film Fest season, he has actually managed to overcome. So I was like, well done to my good friend there. Some of his vices that normally pop up and we normally kind of give you a hard time, Jay, about that. Yeah. Should you be doing that? And aren't you shows, shouldn't you be doing this instead all of those things, you are, like, championing all of that very well. So, well done. Well done, my Thank friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so, now we're doing stuff that we normally don't do, which is, like, cleaning our new office. And, like, I was over there yesterday. I've been spot painting the office. So, anyone who stops by, uh, they need to go... Yes, we know that Shannon is a comedian and a speaker and a social instigator. She's not normally a painter, but I enjoy those little projects, so I appreciate you uh, letting me add that into my repertoire of things I do for the Twin Cities Film Fest. Well, I mean, you offered. What am I supposed to go say no? <laughs> like, if you if somebody walks up to you, you go, I enjoy spot painting. <laughs> I can take care of that. And I just, what am I supposed to say? No, let me do it. No, do it. Go do it. Go, go knock, knock yourself out. And actually, by the way, you did a really nice job. So that actually goes a long way. Thank you. Because um, you were in there by yourself just doing your thing. And I'm like, I'm going to go work now. And you're like, yeah, leave me alone. I, I right. got this. Right. Because then I can so, turn on like my own little personal sound, you know, soundtrack and do what I'm doing. And, 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 and Jaden knows me pretty well that my type A kicks in on some of those projects, even though they are extra projects. So it's better if you don't watch me because he likes to come by and go, that's good enough. And that's a fine answer for him to say, but that is not what my brain thinks. So it's best if you walk away. Slowly. I respect people's time. And if they can just get it done, I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, but if, but if you want to take it upon yourself to go the extra 10 miles, that's all on you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything. And I'm nope. super excited about the new office space too. I think that is going to be when that is done after the festival, when we're fully moved in, we have our own little studio in there now. Um, I think it'll be really nice to have some, again, when we're back to inviting guests in, I think they'll be impressed with the festival office as well as the new studio as well. Well, I'll uh, stay on you about this. We'll make sure that we get some some before and after type photos up on our Twin Cities Film Fest social media pages. I think that's sure. the best places for it. So if you go, you can always find links to those if you go to TwinCitiesFilmFest.org. But for everyone else, if you use that to go to our social media pages, I'll make sure that we get some pictures that are thrown up on there. Does that sound good, Jayton? It does. Yeah. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. I like that answer. I like that answer. I get all of that and I don't have to actually marry you. Good job with your wife. She's trained you well. Um, yeah. So speaking of people who are very well trained, uh, they are two of my good friends, specifically the female part of this life pod. I'm very excited to introduce them to you and we're going to talk about some fun things today. So on our uh, Be Our Geek podcast today, it is Mr. Christopher Ray and the lovely, talented and amazing friend of mine, Ms. Felicia Ray. Thank Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate you guys coming. How's it going today? Good. Absolutely. It's uh, wonderful to uh, see you guys after like about 600 years, I think. Right. And, um, right. It, but it's super cool. I'm glad you guys are still doing everything that you can to support, you know, everything locally, uh, independently or whatnot. So, you guys are awesome. We love you, honestly. Yeah. Shannon, thank you. I really appreciate that. No, Felicia. I, I worship you. <laughs> I, well, and the feeling is mutual. And I and I and that's why I'm I, I'm jumping in here real quick because I know that Felicia is a good friend slash fan. Felicia and I met through another comedian friend of mine years and years and years ago, and then actually the two of us ended up being better friends than either of us are 
with the person who introduced us. I appreciate everything that she does here in the Twin Cities. She reminds me a lot of our friend uh, Susie Schubert, who is another uh, female who is prolific and very pronounced in the rock music industry and kind of in that rock music subgenre that people forget that women have such a bold and forward thinking footprint in because you're very, you know, on the progressive, very heavy metal side of things as well, Felicia. Thank you. Again, I'm going to turn red here. Um, (laughs) Yes. uh, Plugging away at the music scene independently, mainly in original music. And uh, yes, being a female musician, yeah, you may have to work a little bit harder. You may have to have a slightly tougher skin than most, but I've been incredibly blessed and fortunate to work with very like-minded, grounded musicians, <laughs> aside from him. It's a challenge, for sure, right. but, you know, y- you find the right people. The right people will come to you and validate what you're trying to do, so it's, it's very appreciated. So when you came across Christopher, Felicia, it must have been like, wow, how did I stumble into this amazing pot of of golden goodness? It is actually a very rare and unusual, I I will say almost like a fairy tale. Um, Sorry to be sickening. But yeah, uh, we did not know each other at all. I went to a gig of a mutual friend of ours. I went to support him play, and Chris was the headliner. Right. And I had not heard of him, did not know him, but he he flew over here from England just to have the gigs um, in, yeah. in America. And I went to the show. I said I'm going to stay for the headliner. That was Chris. Was totally blown away. And that night we started communicating and instant messaging led to phone calls, phone calls led to Skype, and the rest is history. And I'm going to make it even more sickening because I really appreciate it. Uh, Jayton, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the actual bio that the two of them sent over. It is the most amazing bio that we have received of any guest. <laughs> on- <clears throat> so I think it deserves, I'm going to bring my radio DJ voice out for you here. <laughs> I got something for you guys. Here we go. All right, here. All right, let me, I have the music. Here we go. One night in July, on the second leg of his Minneapolis concerts, he saw amongst the audience Felicia Ray, a progressive rock heavy metal performer and lyricist. Rooted in local clubs and venues, Felicia Ray's soulful and booming vocal chops embedded her in the metal scene family for a few years prior. Her presence in the Infernals, Doom Metal Sludge Group, Sirens of Titan, Metal Ships, and Ronnie James Dio, tribute supergroup Black Rainbow, cemented her talents as a special force to be reckoned with. They met. They spoke. They formed an alliance that would cross oceans and reach heights to new destinations and creativity. It was through hours of conversations and late-night conversations they realized they shared the same dreamy fascinations of lore, science fiction, fantasy, psychology, and the subculture of the otherworldly. Oh my God, that is just the most amazing thing I have that's, ever seen. That's, in my ex- eyes on. that's exactly I, I how that it movie. happened. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see that movie. I know. <laughs> I should make that a movie. Jayton can help you get that done. But well. no, Christopher, I, I'll be honest. I will. I'll just. Uh, I'll give you a little behind the curtains that maybe you've known because you guys have been together for quite some time now. I remember Felicia talking about you before. A lot of people do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes. And we're like, who's this dude? And he's what? And is he just trying to get a green card? What are you doing? Um, <laughs> Amongst many other cards, yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. we appreciated all of that, does and, and all that she did. And then once we had a chance to meet you, we were so glad that you two found one another in this weird, chaotic uh, miasma of a world that we live in. So congratulations on finding yes. each other. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Congratulations. Right. married uh, in April. Was our Wait, first how first many? Five. Congratulations. Because, Jayton, how long have you been married now? Been together since 2000, so 20 years, married for 15 Wow, wow, congratulations. So I'm glad because I only made it to five and then I got divorced. So you both are trumping me here yeah. in the <laughs> relationship. And I stand what you guys do. And I appreciate uh, how you guys have managed to do this. So congratulations on all that. Thank and you. I want to talk to you as well because I know that Felicia was very much into this scene um, because since we are releasing this 
episode of BR Geek in the month of October. Jaden and I always do manage to do something that is at least vaguely Halloween related. And I was very glad to have you two on because Jaden will tell you, I am no good in the horror genre. That is not where I live to the point that when people ask me about it, unless it is the horror aspects of other things that I like that dabble like the horror side of Dr. Hugh or the horror side of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and those shows that touch on it, I really have to tap out of most of these conversations. And I follow, and I, I greatly appreciate being able to specifically follow Felicia on social media because whenever she says, hey, this horror movie was good, I'm like, I trust her. I'm not going to watch it, but I trust her that it is probably fantastic. And you do a great job of... of keeping all of us laymen out there on, up on what a true horror fan is into. So, Christopher, do you have that same love of that genre as Felicia does? I do, yeah. I think that's one of our connections of, um, you know, how we how we were able to bond pretty much instant, uh, instantaneously. It kind of runs through movies. It kind of runs through soundtracks, you know, like horror movie soundtracks that were generated from such so, so a lot of that combination, a lot of that uh, scare factor um, and things in between. I think that's definitely what connected us both. And here we are, you know, we're right. almost like on a movie every night. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, my sanity is being tested, but... Um, <laughs> But uh, but you know it's 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 fantastic and it's it's good to have a really nice common if anything you know to have a great common share about that common interest and um, I love it yeah it's it's really cool. One thing that I always found an annoyance was being a female geek all of my life. My male counterparts would often vent their frustrations about how their romantic partner is not into any of what they're into and they've had to compromise a lot and they've had to um, basically put away some of what makes them who they are and just save that for, well, that's for my man cave time or that's for going out with friends time. And I just remember always thinking, why are you with that person if you can't talk to them about the most passionate thing in your life? So, so yeah, I'm I'm incredibly grateful, and I know that I probably wear him down with how much I can keep going and about things that I discover and my own little film theories and my own little uh, critiques. And uh, yeah, it's it's I'm probably on some days probably as annoying as movie phone used to be. So. Yeah. I adore it. He just said, yep. But I, I I appreciate that, and I agree with you that it is good to be able to find somebody that even if they don't completely fall in line with all of the geekly genre that you're into, at least if they can go, I understand why you appreciate it and why you want to talk about it so much. So I do see a great value in all of that. So congratulations on finding that commonality as well. So of the new films that are out, and I don't even want to say film only, of the horror genre, are you most fond of the films or the TV series, or is it a blend? It's a blend. For, for me, it's a blend. Yeah, I think it's a mix for me, too. I think it's more about style, really. You know, as long as, as, long as the style is something that I think, you know, if we, if we connect to it, I think it doesn't matter what, if it's TV or film or, you know, whatnot. So I think it's as long as they've done it right, if it's something that's well-written, I think it would work either way. For me personally, I feel, um, and I, I trace it back to the X-Files, I think because the bar was raised so high with the X-Files, uh, genre television had to grow and change and manifest into something different and right. something of substance. And I personally feel that now here we are oh so many years after the X-Files, Look at how incredible television is. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a renaissance. I, mean, I, I often hear a lot of, of people say, um, look at how incredible genre television is. So when I say that for me, it, it is kind of a, a perfect blend. Um, I, I am talking about the last 15, 20 years. It just, with, with every, I think like every five years, I feel like television is in some ways surpassing uh, cinema, although you know, cinema will never never die. That's our cat you're going to hear, by the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Not not a, a ghost of a child. Um, so, <laughs> but plus, um, we just want you to introduce us. That'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. This is our cat, Bill Paxton. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Same. Good. Anyway, um, 
I feel that nowadays, and that nowadays can be the last 10 years, 15 years, yeah, it is um, a perfect blend of television. Genre television is as good, if not better, in many instances than movies. I would actually echo a lot of the new stuff that is coming out on webisodes or web series is far exceeding any expectations because, again, we are accustomed to short-form consumption now, and I think there's so much great independent content out there because we all have access to the Adobe premieres of the world and all these other softwares. We have some great storytellers telling amazing genre stories in a more ingestible short format, which I think I love as well. And actually one of the films at our festival this year was called the horror crowd. And it's about these, uh, some, some major names in the industry, some not so major names talking about their love for horror movies and what specific movie got them to turn on the switch to do a little bit more in that genre. So I do agree. I think there's a renaissance right now, especially in the genre mm-hmm. world. And obviously you take a look at the, you know, the walking deads of the world and, mm-hmm. and all these other shows. I mean, even normal, normal as in like even dramas now are kind of teetering on horror a little bit. To get that crowd, that crowd is, they're the fans. They're true. Horror fans are truly fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and they fan out. So I think there's a lot of mainstream stories that are being told, but from a horror lens to bring some of that crowd in as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The other thing I think is interesting about the serialization of these is I do think that it gives you the ability to tell some stories better and more appropriately when it was difficult to distill it in what needed to be a two-hour format. So exactly. to be able to build it and really get you to give you enough time to get to know the characters and to see the transitions and the and the, the world building that's required in some of these things, I think that they needed to be able to wait until we could appropriately produce and have the budgets that we do for some of these shows. Because The Walking Dead, we've you know you need to be able to see that over time. Um, maybe some people may say we've been telling that story for too long. But I think that, you know, before when we were talking about some of these stories that were um, uh, either novel based or based on some really cool graphic novel or something like that, where it was serialized, to then be able to take out all of the best bits and try and make a movie didn't always work. No, this is the, uh, the one of you said the word keyword digestible. The, these are our glorified campfire stories and our campfire stories growing up were always in small bites Mm -hmm. and they were, they could be episodic. We are, we have the ability now to do more and show more over a given chunk of time. And that, that movie, it's make or break. You've got that one shot, right? Which unfortunately, why there's a lot of crap out there in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, If they had taken that script and maybe tried to break it up into a TV series instead, or you know, or, or what you know, webisodes. It might have been better, right? And I know you've gone to some of the horror genre specific conventions. So, yes. have you attended it? Do you have any favorites? Like, where do you like going when you go hang out with other like minded horror geeks? Um, well, I have always been uh, part of Crypticon, um, Minneapolis's uh, horror convention, and was very honored to be a part of the uh, Q&A panels for their guests. So I was kind of the the Johnny Carson to a lot of creative people that I idolized and and appreciated. That has been a family for me, really. So so for, for me personally, Crypticon, and he had never attended any convention before, Moving, moving here. Um, wow. So Khan was was his, um, but we also do like um, what is what is now Wizard World. Mm-hmm. Um, but that and also um, we have gone to a couple Walking Dead conventions. So I did corral him to go down to Atlanta with me um, two years in a row. Um, but also back in the day, um, I used to go to Fangoria Weekend of Horrors. Right. When Angoria Magazine was um, at its height back in the uh, late 80s and early 90s. So uh, locally, yeah, really it's just um, and, and Convergence. We haven't been to Convergence for a while, but yeah, that's another one. I always appreciate people, uh, especially women, who were going to conventions because I was going back during that 
uh, that time period. I didn't go to Fangoria, but I went to similar ones. And I think it really did showcase back then where it was a lot less female forward. And I do give our cons now a lot more credit because they are definitely a lot more inclusive and show a variety of fandom and honor a lot more of you know, uh, people who are of all variety of people who are fans of whatever the the product is. And I think that they, you know, we still get some pushback on some of them, but they have done a great job as much as they can to really build. And I think it requires some some additional pushing. But, you know, mm-hmm. definitely when I'm looking at things from the late 80s and early 90s and, you know, when, you know I would go to stuff with my mom or when I was in college, you know, in the, the mid-90s, I'm going, wow, you know, and you show up there and people are like, um, did you know where you were coming? And you were immediately, like, gate-kept and, and, and checked, you know, like you weren't yeah. supposed to be there. So we appreciate yeah. that now you're like, nope, it doesn't have to be just this one uh, stereotype that has, that's at all of these things. I remember um, literally having to explain, no, I'm not the girlfriend here to support the guy that I'm with. Right. I dragged him <laughs> here. Um, yeah. And yeah, back, back in the day when I would go to Fangoria conventions in Chicago, um, primarily is where we went. It was, um, it was wonderful to run into other female fans, but yeah, it was very, very different. It was very much a, I hate to use that cliche boys club, but it, yep. it kind of was. But at the same time, they were incredibly happy and receptive that here is a female that can discuss this and they don't have to explain themselves. I had, I had to explain a lot to them, uh, but anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, um, that was interesting. And, and if you had told me now... The convention culture now and just what a universe it is, I, I, I wouldn't have believed it. I mean, it's really when, when you and I, Shannon, think back, you know, 20, 25 years, it's it's incredible. It right. really is. And I'm glad that we are, you know, and I'm glad that we have made uh, the uh, strides that we have. And I'm looking forward to continuing those because uh, I know that there's some people who would love to roll it back to 20 years ago. And I'm I I refuse to go unless it's kicking and screaming. So some of our favorite local cons here in the Twin Cities and similar ones across the country are the ones that are going to be able to roll back out um, soonest into being able to have in-person hybrid events again. Um, I think that the the Crypticons of the world have opportunity to get back because it was the kind of thing where we were expecting it like a Crypticon Five to seven hundred people, you know, I think it was kind of like that mid size thing, so we can get back to that maybe sooner and spread out. I know that my uh, second favorite um con here in the twin cities just just because I stand convergence, but that one's huge. I don't know how we're gonna get back to that, but my second favorite is one called console Room, which is our doctor who convention or our fan driven doctor who convention, and that's usually more like five hundred people over the weekend. I could see us doing that, and they've done a great job. Similar to what you know, Jayton and every uh, all of us are doing over the Twin Cities Film Fest of creating those virtual events on an ongoing basis, and so that we can still have that sense of community uh, in this socially distanced world that we live in now. And so, have you throughout the horror community seen any of those things? Are there like Zoom happy hours or any? Oh yeah, the people. It's- it's been wonderful. I was telling Chris uh, probably like three months ago when we were at the height of, of uh, you know, uh, a quarantine summer that, you know, it, it actually is really wonderful to see this new intimacy of panels, um, right. Q&A panels coming up and also marathon, movie marathons having like, I forget what the, the term that they're calling it, but where they're they're having basically like a streaming party of let's all watch Night of the Living Dead together or yeah. Attack of the Killer Clowns. And it's run by the directors, the actors, etc. Yeah. And it's incredibly intimate. I mean, frankly, I, I think because of our experience with, with, with cons, yes, we love cons, but there has been a really uh, wonderful, much needed sense of intimacy right. with these, um, these Zoom and Skype um, streaming uh, events that they've had uh, with New York Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, we, we eat it up. We love it. Um, I, I think it really is, it, it, it keeps you going. 
but it does create a wonderful sense of, of intimacy that maybe you wouldn't get if it was in, you know, Hall H or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. I, I can see that as well. I did take uh, part in some of the virtual content from New York Comic Con, which was the one of the of the mega cons uh, of our, our, our international cons. That was the one that my friends and I normally would go to in person. We only went to San Diego once because it was too big. And even for me, the most extrovert of extroverts, I was like, yeah, I, yeah. No, I'll watch all these online. Um, so, you know, it has been great to see how people have managed to pivot into this and use, you know, the technology that we have to make it still seem as though we are all part of the same family, although we're doing it from our the safety of our couches now. Our so I think it's really energizing, right? I think at the end of the day, to 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 reconnect with your group, with your with your peeps, and then right. Also making it accessible for anybody else to join as well in a non like non threatening way. I don't have to physically go to a com, but I can still participate. I watch these shows every once in a while. I'm not a fan. Let me just kind of dabble in this. I think it's right. accessible. It's re energizing yeah. for the base. And then hopefully when quote unquote things are where we want them to be, still social distancing, but actually gathering together, it actually might bring a bigger base to those events. Um, this is kind of that soft first step in for a lot of people as well. Um, but get that intimacy to, to talk with the director or the filmmaker or the, um, the sound editor or, or the production designer. These things are very, these things are what, what keeps the fans going. Right. And again, there's more accessibility. By the way, you call up the director of XYZ. They have more time now ever because they can literally hop into their office, do the call and then hop back out and do 10 other calls the rest of the day, and they get a lot more impactful conversations in the amount of time that it's allotted. Otherwise, they would have been able to do one. Right. They would have to travel somewhere and then come back, and they're exhausted. So um, to your point, I think this is actually going to elevate the experience for the base and actually bring in more people. So, of course, I think for people who are primarily dabblers of horror, once we get near Halloween, that's when things really, the lighter fluid gets put on all of these fires. But for you two that kind of live in this world year-round, do you have any particular things that you're going, well, I always I always look nostalgic and nostalgically on when this pops back up? You go. I'm, I'm trying to think of stuff. Um, um, we, we, I'm a traditionalist. Okay. So yeah. the... The old-fashioned ritual of when I was a little kid anticipating the greatness that is October, um, the tradition was the good old standards of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Right. The good old standards of uh, the the retro commercials. I love that uh, YouTube has endless hours of <laughs> retro commercials, not just for Halloween, but for Christmas and Thanksgiving. And that's actually something that we have made a tradition for ourselves <laughs> is, is, you know, about about maybe late August, Chris will go, I want to start watching the commercials now. So <laughs> that's kind of become a thing. And in terms of uh, uh, genre-related uh, content, it's, it's those old-fashioned ones. Um, one of my favorite horror movies of all time, that I introduced him to was a, a TV movie from 1981 called Dark Night of the Scarecrow with okay. uh, Larry Drake and Charles Durning, um, and it's incredible. And it's got now wonderfully an incredible cult following. He's the first one now to say, it's all this, we got to crank out Dark Night of the Scarecrow. <laughs> um, and and that's, that. uh, it's, so yeah, we, there, there are certain movies, certain specials um, that we break out July <laughs> and um, <laughs> and and kind of start that that ritual that process because it I've kind of had to you know drag him into it a little bit but it it is it is a it is a three month process <laughs> you have a ramp up period that works yeah well Christopher did you have different things that you were super into when you were still uh, based in the UK I it was a, it's a different I mean it's quite it's quite culturally different between mm-hmm. you know american culture in terms of tv movies as it is with like british uh situations i mean it was all for the longest time 
you know, very uh, tacky, cheesy 70s and 80s comedy shows for a while. <laughs> and um, for maybe one brief moment, you might have had the classic, you know, Doctor Who TV shows every every other night. But, you know, the culture wasn't really, it was quite different for me. So my stance was, I saw it in a different way. I was a big fan of Halloween and horror and things like that and sci-fi. But... Um, me being musically inclined, you know, it was all about the soundtracks. I was more into the soundtracks more than anything else. So I was a big fan of Wendy Carlos, you know, and and um, composers like that, and and um, just really admiring the style in terms of just you know accompanying movies like The Shining, for example, you know, right. and um, so I had a lot of catching up to do when it came to like you know prepping up for Halloween especially getting into the US because we just never really had anything like that you know there wasn't anything like commercials or anything like that you know it was just right. very quiet very quaint very British but um, <laughs> um, but you well, know it was slightly less commercialized that's probably it like we well, have I mean it, it is we have commercialized everything yeah, and you know, so you kind of had to seek it out yourself, and also if you find it and you love it, that's great. But you know, for me, it was just slightly different. And ultimately, you know, when I'm able to, when I'm old enough to watch movies like that, like like The Exorcist or things like that, I would watch that anytime. You know, it wouldn't okay. <laughs> wouldn't necessarily be a Halloween tradition. Um, so, but yeah, soundtrack. It was definitely a reverse for me. Definitely soundtracks. Um, very much just even Doctor Who, you know, Doctor right. Who very much is the um was the weekly the weekly based thing that the thing the first thing that would grip you would right. be uh um Delia Derbyshire's um theme tune to it, you know, which would scare the bejesus out of you, you know, and then it would go into the T V show and then you'd be hooked. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I like talking about the, you know, uh, some friends of mine and a, a mutual friend of ours as well, Felicia, Mr. Jim Seuss. He's usually the one that um, spearheads the horror of Doctor Who panel that comes up at our local favorite Crypticon. And and, and I only started going because I'm friends with Jim and, and our friend Barsky, who you know as well, Jayden. Um, otherwise, I never went because you hear the word horror. I'm like, yeah, nah, and I top out. But I'm like, okay, they're there and there's wine. I'll go to this panel. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, it did make me just think about that's usually where when there's that intersectionality in the horror world world is where I do because I do watch shows that do have a horror component although it is not their primary goal and motivation but you know when you were talking Christopher about Doctor Who there are lots of aspects to it where especially if you start watching as a kid like the fact that it was you know we 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 make that comment all the time that it was uh you know, we look at it as like definitely young adult to adult programming here in the U.S. But the fact that it was pretty much marketed as a family slash kids show as well in the U.K., we're going, well, why are they trying to frighten their children to death? Because there's a lot of, you know, like every episode starts with somebody dying or screaming <laughs> or something happened. You always, you know, you're kidnapped by this dude and you disappear and you leave your family. And then everything in the universe is slightly trying to murder you around a corner. <laughs> Um, but that's the charm of the show. And I would have definitely gone in a TARDIS if I could figure out a way to not scare my mom to death. I feel, if a TARDIS had shown up in my house, I'd have gotten in it. I'm like, can I write a note for my mom so she doesn't think I got kidnapped um, or I'm dead? But I do think it's interesting talking about all of these shows that do have that intersectionality and how they they work it in there. And some of them, I think, are really good at it. And some of them, you're like, oh, that was really clumsy. So... Are there any other shows that you guys can think of that kind of dabble into that world? Um, just a, a very brand new show uh, that had only just finished its first season, Evil. Okay. Mm, um, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. That is a wonderful balance of we're going to give you a little bit of an appetizer core, but we're not going to go there completely. Right. We're going to... Uh, try to break down some horror tropes and you think it's going to go one way, but it's, it's not. And we're really kind of, maybe we're sort of a, a psychological thriller. Um, right. I thought that was a fantastic example. It's kind of, it's kind of like a modern X-Files in a matter okay, of speaking. Exactly. It's got a lot of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Intricate, intelligent writing. It's um, well acted, well written. 
Oddly, with these things these days, with like multiple streaming platforms, this is a network show, you know, so it's right. kind of unusual these days. But but it's actually well um, well written, well cast, and funny actually as well. It's got this very wonderful, nice, uh, funny intelligence stance to it, well, and, and sometimes it breaks the fourth wall in some areas as well, which is pretty cool. So yeah. that's one of those shows that is on my list that I meant to give a shot because there's a lot of these shows that I'm very fascinated by. And Jayden, I'll tell you, I do this all the time. I have certain favorite bloggers and favorite writers and reviewers that basically follow these shows. And my favorite guy on TV, my favorite woman on TV.com a TV guide.com actually follows evil and her recaps are fantastic. And it makes me go, I wish I was brave enough to watch that show because it sounds bananas. And I, <laughs> and it has people, it has actors in it that I adore. And I'm going, uh, it might not work well with the melatonin that I take. And like, and that's what I, <laughs> that's what I spent most of my time not trying to fuel the melatonin dreams um, as we go. So before we get into talking about your project that's coming out on November 1st, the Red Eye Project, um, I appreciated that uh, you brought up some of the soundtracks, um, which I was not surprised at all. And I, and I, you brought up The Shining for sure. Is that still one of your, the, the ones that sticks out for you, Christopher? Oh, I mean, amongst many, but I mean, it's it's got this incredible coldness, uh, which again, Wendy Carlos was um, synonymous with, you know, during the late seventies and eighties. Um, she proved to give <laughs> to right. give. Um, Synthesizer music or electronic music, you know, a statement in horror or even sci-fi, a bold statement that it can be done, it can be constructed, and if it's well composed, it can suit anything. Right. And with it being a synthesizer-led sort of uh, setup, it's got that kind of cold, stark kind of you're in for it kind of a thing, and it's right. Yeah, it's so yeah, definitely that uh, the Shining's definitely up there. But kind of on on the opposite spectrum is something like The Exorcist. You know, okay. like the theme tune, the ex. Which for me, I'm more familiar with the guy's work in general. His name is Mike Oldfield. It's okay. from the album Tubular Bells, and um, it's again intricate. It's intelligent. It's it serves a purpose and it scares the bejesus out of you, you know, in, in, in yeah. as well. So, Is it um, one of those things that anytime you hear it, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to sleep for days, or you just know, like, when this pops up, <laughs> like, is that one of, because I think there are certain ones that you're like, anytime that happens, because I know that there's some, you know, we'll find, like, the, the royalty-free version of that, that somebody will add into uh, another film, and it immediately does kind of go, oh, well, something, this is supposed to be scary. Like, it, it just, is it that we're so embedded, I mean, embedded in this theme? Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, there's, there's two ways that you can view it. I mean, you say, oh, my God, it's this view, it's this, you know, very um, suggestive, you know, song. And then you get to the UK, and it's it's got a different take of it because it's a 30-minute song, by the way. This is right. like a five-minute song. <laughs> Um, you know, if you get to the UK, it was it was such a big album, not just because of the movie. Um, right. so, you know, it would be kind of like a home viewing. You know, you would walk in and the theme tune will be on, thinking somebody's going to get exercised. Uh, but actually, it's Mike <laughs> Oldfield and Tubla uh, Tuba Bell. So, yeah. <laughs> there was an article that came out on You Discover Music, and it's one of the music blogs that I read. And they were talking about their list of the best horror movie soundtracks. Uh, and they just came up with 20 what they considered essential things. And I really like seeing articles like this because, of course, they always bring up stuff that I, as a music fan, but not in all of the genres in the universe, yeah. don't know all of them. So there were some of them that I was like, okay, yeah, I'm familiar with Vertigo. I've heard of that. And, yeah, if you played Jaws, I would know that. But there were a lot on this list that I was like, oh, I need to go look that up. Um, right. And it made me think about soundtracks that I was very familiar with, like the Blade soundtrack, but it mm -hmm. wouldn't have in my head gone, okay, it needs to be on here, and I wouldn't necessarily have looked at it as being so music forward or or so groundbreaking as far as these genres go. And so, like, right. I, it made me go, I went and I looked at Blade again, and I just remember that the tone of it, there, like, there's so much appropriate silence and, like, 
dissonance in all of the stuff that goes on in the Blade soundtrack. I did like it when a lot of my favorite, like, action-y horror movies like this, because that's what I'll call, like, the Blades and the Underworlds and things, did have a lot of that, you know, electronic rock music that I liked, like all that shouty rock and the, you know, those things. I was like, I was glad when that showed up. <laughs> I was like, I liked, I liked, you know, 30 Seconds to Mars anyway, and I'm glad they're on the soundtrack. I'm glad you brought up Blade, though, because Mark Isham is one of my favorite uh, composers. He did an incredible job with Blade. One of his other soundtracks that is uh, another personal favorite of mine is he scored The Mist, Stephen King's The Mist. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, I, I would, I, the list, that article, uh, I appreciated that they threw in Blade. Mm-hmm. Um, that was unexpected because you do, you do see all the regular, you know, top five. So I was um, glad that they're giving nod to, to Mark Isham because more people need to be exposed to those lesser known soundtracks out there. Yeah, there were a couple, and I'm so sorry, I'm just blanking right now, but there were a couple <laughs> out of left field that I was like, you know, not a lot of people talk about that. And right. Thank you for doing so. I'll bring up one more, and this is one that I thought was interesting. I've never seen this film. It's called Cannibal Holocaust, and I had never heard of it, and I like that it was so... like It it just seems so benign, but I'm like, yes. It's a family movie. (laughs) You're like, okay, yeah, they're just out hanging out. It sounds like you're watching a... Like some, that one always kind of bugged me because it was just so off-putting and so... Um, um, like one of these things is not like the other, um, right. and and that made it all the more stomach churning and kind of horrifying to me. Um, right. So yeah, I, agreed. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm like, okay, so I was fascinated with the use, and I've always been fascinated with the use of music to continue. To, to continue a tone that a filmmaker is trying to do, and we talk about this as, as well with the films that we're doing that are in all the genres, where sometimes to get that particular feel, we can tell why they picked that song. Let's get on to now, of course, since you two are both very accomplished musicians in your own right, we now have this project that you have worked on together. I'm very glad that we get to help you roll this out. So it's the Red Eye Project. So let's tell everybody a little bit more about that. So who wants to start, Felicia or Chris? I I'll try and give it a go. Um, the the Red Eye Project is three years in the making. Started in roughly 2017. Kind of like an opposite attract because even though we have common interests, you know, we do have obviously a world of electronic versus heavy metal progressive. Mm-hmm. And I just love trying to sort of expand boundaries of electronic music and heavy metal because it has been done before. We're not wealthy, not the you know, the first and, and only. I'm mostly very hin- influenced by nine inch nails, you know, that kind of setup and, and, and stuff like that. So I just thought this is a great, wonderful little um opportunity for us both to put two, you know, especially with Felicia's wonderful mind, her songwriting abilities and, you know, an extraordinary uh, vocal talents that it right. would just be so, it has this wonderful, powerful, um, edgy stance to it. And then it takes you somewhere else and then it takes you somewhere else. It's not a million miles from being mainstream, but it's also got its own identi- uh, identity. It's got a concept and people can hopefully just pick it up and just enjoy it from the get-go, from like track one. It takes you for a journey for like 68 minutes. We also wanted to have um, a musical project that was born out of our, our love of genre. Not, not just horror, but of science fiction, of fantasy, of, of um, psychology, parapsychology, what have you. But also mix in some politics in there, mix in right. some, some, some big picture um, ideology. We wanted to work in that subject matter and not just do the safe staple of it's dance music. So it's, it's going to be really surfacy and going to be digestible and easy to dance to. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but we uh, just wanted to take the genre that I'm used to working in, the genre that he's used to working in, and just combine them and just put that focus of the mythos and, and the lore of some of our favorite stories some of our favorite movies, and, and just concepts. So, yeah, that's basically what 
Friday project is. Yes. Well, it definitely gives me that I can see them eventually doing the score of a film. Like I can see it falling into so many of those worlds that we have. And, and Jason, did you get a chance to listen to it yet? I have not. No, okay, so this is the best thing about it. And so, Felicia, I'm not just saying this because you're my friend. It was a thing that after I listened to it, and I so I do have, we'll play a little piece of Did You Dream Yet? Did You Dream Yet? Uh, the vocals by Felicia Varda, their Red Eye Project, that is available on November 1st. You can pre-order it now, correct, Felicia? Mm-hmm. Yes, um, we can. Be, this is the kind of song that I think when you hear it, and I'll let this uh, all of our, our, our be our geek fans out there and mm-hmm. friends, um, it's the kind of song that definitely will give you those immediate earworms. Like I found myself after I listened to it the first time that as I was going and doing laundry, I heard myself like in my, my internal radio was playing back part of the song. Or as I was putting my child to bed, there would be a part that I'm like, this would be a good thing for me to just randomly say if this was the part of the movie when I was putting my child to bed. This is where I this would be playing in the background. So here we have part of Did You Dream Yet from the Red Eye Project from Christopher and Felicia Ray. I saw a movie. I was I was seeing. It was a movie. It was a soundtrack. Right. It was a specific scene in a movie, and it the soundtrack made the what I was seeing visually enhanced, and that's exactly right. what a soundtrack is supposed to do. Well, it thank, you. Me, thank you. It immediately gave me so much David Bowie labyrinth chills that I'm going, I could see, I've watched this film. Like, I know where this would go. And so I was, I, I was, I was honestly very proud to know you, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's my friend that did that. I think it's absolutely wonderful. And, you know, I we were so excited to help you uh, roll this out because, Felicia, I, I just want to see you work more and do more of these things that you love. I love watching watching your face light up when you are doing these things and that you are doing this as well, Christopher. So thank you very much for putting this all out to the world. Tell everybody again what all your information is and we'll make sure that this is on our social media as well. Yes. Uh, you uh, guys can uh, now pre-order the album at theredeyeproject.bandcamp.com. That's theredeyeproject.bandcamp.com. Our release date is Sunday, November 1st, 2020. Uh, buy the album, support local artists, support local music, not just us, obviously, but we do appreciate it, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. And, and we also have a um, couple uh, guests on the album, too, yeah. um, of Twin Cities goth theme uh, Morticia, um, Mr. Matt Bachelor, um, the founder of, of Morticia. He's guest uh, guest vocalist on on that album as well. Yeah. So it's it's been a labor of love of uh, our peers helping us to put this together and finally getting it out there. It is very very independently made. Like the closet back there is my local studio. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, so it's been a labor of love and it's been very <laughs> the very definition of independent and DIY. Oh yeah. Well, we can't wait for it to actually be released. Do you promise to come back on after everything is officially out and, and you can talk to us about other things that are fantastic and we'd also love to like give people a little taste test of some other songs as we uh help you roll out the Red Eye Project. Is that okay? We would love to, absolutely. As, as long as we make one of the shows action figure talk. Oh yes, yes. I'm all about that. That'd be good. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it. That would be great. And so before we come back and we round up the show, I, of course, want to remind everybody the Twin Cities Film Fest, yes, it does start October 22nd. So let's remind everybody what's going on this year, Jayden. 
Yeah, so we're uh, hybrid this year. Uh, some in-person screenings for our members, donors, and sponsors, and anybody can become a member and donor. So feel free to uh, go to the website and, and participate. Again, we're a nonprofit organization, so we love any and all support that we can possibly get, especially in these times. Uh, but the majority of our films, 70-plus film premieres, will be on our website, including the horror crowd and a few other genre films as well. Uh, these are indie films from all across the country. These are premieres of these films. And uh, we've made it equitable. Each film is $9 per view or per watch. Actually, you get to watch that movie for all 10 days if you want to. Or you can buy a $50 all-access pass. So for 50 bucks, you can watch 70-plus films. And you can take a break from uh, browsing Hulu and Netflix and Disney right. Plus for about a week and support a, a major film festival, which is bringing independent artists and independent films to your homes this year. Right. So you can always go to TwinCitiesFilmFest.org, get all that information to get your $50 passes and to find out what we have going on at the Twin Cities Film Fest. You can also go there if you want to find this episode of Be Our Geek and previous episodes. We also encourage you to find this one by going to our Facebook page. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter as Be Our Geek Show. You can also email the show at BeOurGeekShow at gmail.com. And you can call and leave a message for us or any of our guests by calling 612 276 that's 612-276-2774. Please like and subscribe to Be Our Geek wherever you find us. We would appreciate that. And tell your friends, your family, and your loved ones that we sound really good in your earbuds. And also make sure you go out and you find The Red Eye Project coming to you very soon, November 1st. Again, that's the redeyeproject.bandcap.com, the redeyeproject.bandcap.com. Felicia and Christopher, thanks for joining us. We can't wait to have you on the show again. Jayton, I'll be over there to bug you later today. You don't get away from me that easy, right? <laughs> so it'll all be no, fine. and I love it. <laughs> all right. So thanks, everybody, for being part of the show today. We always appreciate you. Thank and you. remember, please continue to be our geek because everyone is a geek about something. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples... Temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.